Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you come back for the next episode covering the points of this conversation. And follow the podcast on social media by finding at Prestigious Pod. Follow me, Mr. Kent, at Mr. Chris R. Kent. Follow me, Chris Bean, at Chris Bean Official. Join our Discord for exclusive content and personal interactions. And if you'd like to be coached on how to live a more prestigious life, you can reach out to me, Chris Bean, on one of my social media platforms or by emailing the podcast directly at prestigiousinitiative at gmail.com. Lastly, sign up for our newsletter either through social media or on our website. This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today, we have a guest who's passionate about unleashing creativity and making ideas come to alive in a visual way. Please join us in welcoming Ashton Rodenizer to the show. Ashton, how are you today? I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Very good. Ashton, it's, it's, it's fantastic to have you here. Uh, can you start by you know sharing a bit about your journey and what led you into the world of visual communication through sketchnoting? And, and, and maybe for our listeners who don't know, what is give us a, an idea of what sketchnoting is. Absolutely. So uh, I always like to like paint a picture a little bit of like who I am. Uh, so I live in rural Canada on the East Coast. I'm a mom of three small children. I live in an old farmhouse on a hill, on dirt road, off of a dirt road. So if you just like go into the woods in Canada, you'll find me in there. Um, So about 10 years ago, I was introduced into this whole world of visual communication and visual thinking uh, while I was working as a facilitator. So when you're facilitating a group uh, and a room full of uh, amazing people. It's really about harvesting the wisdom that they're sharing and feeding it back in words. And that's when I was introduced into, you don't just have to feed it back in words, but now you can also feed it back in pictures. So I started incorporating some of these like visual techniques into my work as a facilitator and really, really fell in love with it. So I decided uh, that I was just going to kind of go all in on this visual aspect of of working with groups of people. So, um, and then sketchnoting is sort of like taking the very same kind of skill set that you use in like in groups of people or at events um, and doing it a more in a personal way. So visual note taking. Okay. So with, with sketchnoting, so, okay, I'm trying to try to (laughs) dissect this a little bit in, in school, we're taught, you know, right lines of words and right lines of words and right lines of words. But the hard part is our brain doesn't necessarily work that way. And so when our brains are trying to connect those ideas to other ideas, which is really how you build knowledge, you connect new information to previously learned information. And by that connection, that's where you learn and grow. And by making them lines on a sheet of paper, like, you know, what we standardly write in in school or, or for, for work to take notes, that doesn't necessarily allow for those connections to be made very well. And my basic understanding of sketchnoting is, is because it's drawn in, in kind of a graph and, and a, you're, you're drawing and there, you know, there's all kinds of different components to it. That leads to being able to build those connections much better because you're actually connecting one thing to the next thing via line or, you know, squiggles or whatever else, because they're actually then connected. You could see that visual connection that helps to make the connection in the brain, but that's not, that's not how we, you know, quote unquote, are taught how to take notes in school. Am I, am I kind of right on that? You, you definitely have it. I, you definitely done your research. I love it so much. (laughs) 
<laughs> you explain it in such a, a nice, eloquent way. But yeah, for sure. I feel like we have just done students a huge disservice by taking drawing out of note taking. So like my oldest daughter, she's 10 years old. And so she's in grade five here. And they're starting to incorporate note taking in like their le their learning currently. And it, so I'm kind of able to kind of see that, you know, firsthand this year. And yeah, they just sort of take out all the drawings they did up until grade five and put them by the wayside and make them focus on like words only across the page. And, you know, because most people think in pictures, because most people relate to learning visually or taking in information visually, I think it is very sad as a disservice that we're we're doing to students by by taking drawing out of sort of note taking. Um, but as I'm also like working with professionals, a lot of them like to learn this skill to also communicate complexity. So there's this sort of like the learning and the connections and how we hear information digest. But I'm also hearing from like some students that are like in the working world that they want to learn these skills to be able to break down an idea or be able to try to figure something out in a visual way so that they can actually go and explain that or communicate that to somebody else, which is so interesting because I really fell in love with the learning aspect, the memory retention aspect of communicating visually in this way. Um, but yeah, my students are like more so interested in like learning it to communicate complexity, which is so fascinating as well. So it's uh, not limited to just one way of, of use, which is really amazing as well. Right. And of course, you know, visual communication is, is, is such a fascinating topic. Can you explain how visuals have, you know, adding visuals can, can help to convey, uh, convey complex images and messages in a, in a work type setting? Yeah. So I, I think kind of, I can kind of just piggyback on on your explanation of like what how you kind of saw sketchnoting is because it's really about being able to see things, right? So being able to explain something in words alone or written words alone doesn't always do it justice, right? We still need like clarification. And I think that's why, you know, it we often, you know, most of us have an experience with you know, being somewhere and asking for a napkin and a pen at a restaurant because you just have to like draw something out very crudely and very quickly to be able to explain something. Um, and because most people think in pictures, like I mentioned, um, it is kind of like part of our default, but we haven't like given ourselves permission to be able to do it. And I think because it's sort of taken um, out of the classroom and, and from like a learning setting, and if you, I think sometimes people look at it as childish or you're not doing serious work. Um, but those are the situations I think that it should be leveraged for sure. Well, and and you you know you said that we think in pictures, and and you're absolutely right on that because if we're if we're reading, as long as it's, okay, probably not if you're reading a you know a, a nonfiction type book, but if you're reading a storybook or right. you know something to that regard, you're imagining these things in your head. And I suppose even if you're reading yeah. nonfiction, to a certain extent, you're imagining pictures and and things that are happening in your head as you're reading the mm -hmm. words on the page. And 
to be able to connect the way that you think about things as you are writing about them, especially if you have to you know, recall on that information for later to give a presentation or to, to take a test or whatever it is. If you are thinking about those things and then seeing them in your notes in the same type of fashion, I'm, I'm sure that will greatly help in the connection and building of those, of those, of those memories as you move yeah. forward, because you're thinking and interacting with them in the same type of medium. Yeah. The way that I like to kind of also talk about it is, you know, with traditional note taking, like you mentioned at the beginning is, you hear something, you write it down, you hear something, you write it down. And we're missing kind of that most important part, which is the thinking while you're listening, right? Which can be like a bit of a muscle to build <laughs> if we're not used to it. But sketchnoting or creating visuals while you're listening to something or you're taking in some sort of information, you're, you know, a book or a meeting or something like that, you have to also think while you're listening to be able to capture the information, right? So when people say, you know, oh, I, I wrote all these notes, but I, I went back and I don't even know what they mean, or I never looked at them because they weren't meaningful because it was just, I heard something, I wrote it down, and you weren't thinking in the process. Whereas when you're doing capturing and you have, you hear something and you're thinking, okay, how can I condense this? How can I connect this with what, what else is on the page, right? So you're trying to build those connections and make meaning of that information in real time, right? So that when you go to reflect on it later, or if you want to share it with someone or what have you, you can reflect on your learning, not just looking at the information and then trying to make sense of it, right? Because like when I reflect on my note-taking as a young person, that's sort of where I felt trapped was now I'm trying to make meaning of something I heard, but then like it's out of context because like a couple days later, you can't remember, you know, the, the learning part because that thinking didn't happen in real time. So it's a different type of reflection on it later. It's confirming, it's reminding you what it was that you had learned initially to help solidify that further for you. You're not looking at it later to then try to learn something. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I also think that you know there are links between um, kind of doodling and being able to learn and remember. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we feel like I think it's the common thing to try to get on a, a, a kid or someone who's not quote unquote paying attention because they're doodling yeah. during a class, but really it's it's their way of helping them engage their brain and they're able to remember. And and I'm kind of using it, not quite giving a good example of it, but again, I, oh, I've heard okay. before that doing those two things it seems counterproductive, but actually it helps yeah. some people and actually improves their learning. It does for sure. I actually really love talking about doodling as like a beautiful stepping stone for people. Because when you talk about like drawing your notes, people are like immediately get their back up and like, I can't draw. That's not for me. No way. Right. But if you ask them their experience with doodling, it's a little bit more softer, right? We don't put a lot of pressure on the doodle. You can make a mark and throw it away. It doesn't have to mean anything, right? So the way that I like to help people along is like, take your doodles that you're doing already, which I hope, you know, that they weren't squashed out of you completely. Take those and just like make them a little bit more meaningful. Add in the context of what you're hearing into them. Because doodling, 
just as a way to help you focus and learn is great. Like I'm not the best with stats, but the one that I do know decently well is that just doodling can help you remember up to 29% more information. Mm. And that's just doodling. That's not like adding any context to that doodle, right? So then when you're doing sketch noting or visual note taking, when you start adding that context, you know, there's no stat yet, but hopefully in the future there will be of like, I, I think you can increase that memory retention of that information like even further, right? And I think people think also, well, now I have to draw everything and that doesn't also have to be the case. Like the information is still always going to be really important. So you can like baby step your way into visual note-taking or sketch noting, right? It could be like 99% words and 1% drawings or 95% words and 5% drawings. Like it doesn't have to be a complete 180. Like, oh, now I have to draw everything. That doesn't have to be the case either. Like you can just start adding in drawing elements that are not hard to draw, like a line or a square, a circle, and things like that to help you elevate information on your page without feeling like, now I have to figure out how to draw. Well, and probably, you know, I think that maybe one of the, one of the, the tough things for this is seemingly this type of notating, firstly, is, is not taught in schools, which is perhaps very not very beneficial but on top of that it is unique to everybody and and i may have right. one way of doing it i can look at that page and know ex- just from a glance i don't have to read anything i just glance at it yep i know exactly what's going on in that page i can tell you all the things yeah. but if i hand it to him he's got no idea he's like i don't know what this is this is garbage and so that seems yeah. to be probably a you know a tough a tough thing because at I, I can remember you know in school at some point we had to take notes and we had to turn those notes into the teacher and mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I can I understand exactly what's on that page it totally makes sense to me I can I can you know yeah. tell them exactly but the teacher looks at that and they're like ah, what is this this f you know no no grade on that so the hard part is because see and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it seemingly it's it's very uh, individual for uh, yeah. as far as what they what they write and what they draw and how it's on the page, how it's laid out, because it mm-hmm. connects specifically with how those connections right. are made for themselves in their brain. Is that does that seem to does that work? Yeah, that that definitely can be a possibility for sure. Like maybe if you share it with a friend, they may or may not understand. It's like hard to say, but I think when you are doing it for yourself, you're also adding in an additional element, which is the emotional piece right? You're listening, you're thinking about what you're hearing, and you might be having your own little like, oh, I remember like how it relates to something else in your life or like it made you feel something in that moment. And when you add like an emotional aspect into that as well, that just sort of like solidifies that experience, right? Whereas like you share with a friend, they might not get that part of it because they don't have that, your, your same like lived experience, right? Now, like I do this professionally for others, as well as teaching people how to do it. And I'm listening more for the room. I'm trying to like get a sense of what I think is like most important for the room to understand. So I actually have to listen a bit differently um, when I'm doing it professionally for folks, rather than when people are doing it as an individual, because you can add in that like I try not to add in too much like personal experience into when I'm doing it professionally for others. Okay, so we, we've talked about sketchnoting a little bit. What what are some what are some art techniques 
that are helpful for sketchnoting and and how can somebody practically put that into use to enhance their learning or memory or creativity or what have you? Yeah. Yeah, I think earlier when I was mentioning about like, you know, people feeling like they have this this weird relationship, like feeling like they can't draw. First off, we have to like redefine what drawing is, right? And drawing is a thinking tool. It's a communication tool, right? It doesn't have to be artwork, right? Because we won't, we tend to like put art on these like this hierarchy, like there's doodling, then there's drawing and there's art. And drawing and art is like, belongs in a gallery or it's something to be admired where I believe that drawing should have like a bit of a new definition where we're making marks to help ourselves think, right? Sunny Brown has this like beautiful, um, very short TED talk about doodling. And that's kind of like her new definition of a doodle, which I think can also be reflective in drawing. So you have to kind of like, I think get comfortable with the idea that like you can own that you can draw because it's just making marks to help yourself think. Right. So once you get comfortable and like reclaim that for yourself, um, the way the first thing that I like to talk with people about usually is um, to get them comfortable with this idea that they can draw is if you can write letters, you can draw because drawing is just like a series of different shapes and lines. Right. So and lines are the first specific drawing element that I use. And to be honest with you, you could probably create like a very meaningful, like decent looking sketch note with like just words and lines, right? Because you can do a lot with a line. So when I teach the elements, like we'll start with lines, there's a purpose, there's like a use for it, right? It's just not, not just for aesthetics, right? So you can use a line to connect information on a page. You can do the opposite. You can separate. These things do not belong together. It can show flow or direction of information. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, for example. And you can also use lines to like elevate information, right? If you throw a few lines underneath a word that you really want to make sure you like pop out, like that really stands off the page, or a few little spark lines around something to like, you know, show the importance of that. So you can use lines in four very distinct ways. Um, yeah, just by using something as simple as a line, right? And then you can graduate that line to an enclosed line that is like now a square or a circle, some sort of container, right? And you can also do things with that container to elevate your information, right? You can show, you can start grouping information and showing how those things belong, like the relationship with that information and so on. So for me, it's like just building in these like very basic drawing elements that is not always focused on aesthetics in the beginning. Like I don't even, I don't even like touch like icons and like actual drawing things until like way later, like just get some of these like foundational elements that yes, it's going to make your sketch note like look nice, but it's more about the use of them on the page and how you're using them to help you with that information that you're capturing as well. 
Well, it sounds like you you have done some time for sure teaching that <laughs> that art of of sketchnoting. Um, you know, as you as you are as you are going through that process of teaching, what mm-hmm. are some some insights that you've had to to teaching from beginners to advance and 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 progressing along the line, sort of say, no pun intended. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did it. I love it. Um, I'll speak to one thing, and then you can you can jump in again, but. Um, what I find is people just need to do their first one and it's probably going to look bad, right? It's not going to be like the most beautiful thing they ever saw, but there's definitely this like weird balance between people really wanting it to look nice (laughs) and the practicality of it. So even though I try to preach and talk about it does, it can be ugly. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Like your lettering don't, doesn't have to be great. Like just getting the success of getting someone to do their first one I, I find can really help jumpstart the, their whole experience, right? So I I just try to encourage people just to do one because once they do one, they're like, oh, this isn't actually that hard, right? Whereas they like look, look look at something that I've done, they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that, right? But I'm like, when you look at it and it's it's elements and you break it down, you're like, oh, it's actually not that hard, right? So that's what you know when I'm working with beginners for them to then progress on to like intermediate and beyond. It's like, just do your first one and share it if you can. Like, I always try not to put too much pressure on people. Like, you don't have to share it. You know, no one ever has to see it and that's fine. But if you share it with others, then, you know, what I like to do is just be people's cheerleader. And like, I'm just so excited anybody puts pen to paper, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, like, I think that's honestly like the first step is just creating your first one or giving it a go the first time. No. As somebody progresses from beginners to intermediate to advanced, do yeah. do they get more efficient? And and I guess I mean efficient in two ways. One, efficient with their their use of space. So can they condense? Condense maybe isn't the right term. Can they can they efficiently or effectively put more ideas and and information on one page? Would be the efficiency part. And then effectively, can they be quicker about building that sketch note to make it more meaningful them for later as they progress from beginner to advance is that kind of something that you are looking for as they move or is it something different um yeah i will say yes and expand on that for a second but i will say like it doesn't always have to be like a less like more more is better kind of a thing like sometimes i feel like the the better you get at sketch noting like the less information you might capture because you're better at like synthesizing that information so it may not necessarily be that that you're like capturing more information on a page so i just wanted to mention that um but yeah so as people are like developing their skills it's really like learning another language right so when you're learning a, a, a vocal language you're like constantly translating in your mind like all the little words and trying to like do the sentence structure like in real time, right? But as you get more fluent with that language, it just becomes a bit more natural, right? You don't have to think so hard about how those words are strung together. And it's kind of same for like this visual language, right? So the goal is to, when you hear something, you have a picture in your mind that the key is you might already know how to draw you've already drawn it before, right? Because what we want to do is take the hesitation away, right? So when you're hearing something, let's say like the vision, you're like, oh, vision, what could I draw for vision? I don't know, vision, I don't know. Oh my goodness, ah, 
and you're freaking out, right? We're trying to remove that part. So you're like vision. Okay, I could draw a magnifying glass. I could draw a telescope. I could draw an eyeball, which I've already drawn before, right? So it's like having this like little bank of images, like I call like building your visual vocabulary so that you already know how to draw these things or you've drawn something like it before, but you combine it with something else you've drawn before. And then you also, the key is have the muscle memory to then just draw it right away. Right. So like, I love watching like those like artists on like Instagram of like the really like beautiful clean lines and like how they make a circle and it just like, it's like the perfect circle and it just ends exactly where it should go. That's what you're looking for is the muscle memory of what I have confidence that when I make this line or I make this mark and I move it in this direction, I'm going to end up where I need to go. And I can do that in a, like a quickly, like very fluid way. I know every time I make these lines for my letters, they're going to be like the same shape or the same size. So it's like over and over practice of like building your vocabulary and your muscle memory to have the confidence that you can do it potentially more quicker or maybe like a little bit more of like a cleaner design if that's something that's important to you. Like there's lots of sketch noters out there that have been doing it for a long time and it's not like the lettering isn't like the neatest or it like, but it doesn't matter if it's for them, right? Um, but it's like that muscle memory, visual vocabulary building that just like, literally, it's kind of like yoga in the sense of like, you're never done. <laughs> it's just like, you're always practicing, right? You're always building, you're, you're always can learn how to draw new things. You can always like build that muscle memory. Um, so yeah, that's how I like to talk about it. Okay. So, so you mentioned visual vocabulary and, and part of part of as you were explaining that i'm i'm thinking uh maybe i'm overthinking and that's probably the case but <laughs> i i wonder if do you have okay so you talked about vision and you used you know magnifying glass or an eyeball or glasses or telescope or something like that would you okay. say that it would be beneficial for somebody to go through uh, a list of words that are are you know useful or that that come up reoccurring enough and they put an image that goes with them or uh, on the flip side that you know they do their their sketch note and they have like a a key where you know vision equals mm -hmm. glasses or you know whatever yeah. something like that just to have a better frame of reference looking at it later or is that is that too abstract not necessary yeah, some people will like incorporate keys, like maybe like little icons or little color, like color code things. And like you could get really in depth with it if you want to. Um, I am actually like quite an impatient person. So like when I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm like, I don't have time to do a key and then write the key. I'm like, I want to move on to my next thing, right? So I don't have the patience for that necessarily, but I've seen, certainly seen others do it. I think it's a great idea. Um, just adds a little bit like more extra time and energy into like thinking about the process of that. Um, but yeah, so when I, so when you kind of graduate from like those basic elements that we talked about, like lines and containers and so on, um, that's when you can start like talking about some of these different icons that we just referred to. So the ones that I try to encourage people to start with is like an icon that can represent multiple things. Right. Instead of just like one thing, one icon that like maybe you'll draw like once a year, 
right? Like you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time like learning how to draw that thing that you might not draw a lot, right? So you could start with an icon. Like I actually really love like a magnifying glass or like a light bulb. Like honestly, the first three years of doing this, I put a light bulb on everything because it was one of the little images that I felt confident drawing. Like I'm like, I can draw a light bulb. Let's do this. Let's stick it on there. And, um, you know, you can use a light bulb to represent many things. It can make something stand out on the page. Like that's the one thing that I want to focus on. Um, it could be, you know, shining a light on something like, or magnifying glass. It could be like analyzing focus, vision, like it can represent multiple ideas. So when you hear many words, you're like, oh, I have one icon that could actually help me represent many ideas. Right. So starting to learn and build your vocabulary with some of those icons that can uh, be like a bit more foundational. And then you kind of just expand from there. Um, and you don't like, eventually you don't always have to like be stuck with icons, right? That's when we start to like interweave drawings together and overlap different information um, so that it's not just like word icon, information icon and stuff like that. Um, like the, the more integratedness, like that just kind of takes a little bit more time and practice is like, how does this information on the page like all flow together? And how can we visually represent it with like multiple images like put together, if that makes sense. So, um, but I icons are like a beautiful way to kind of like graduate from like, okay, I've got my basic elements. Now I got some icons. And then further on, you can kind of start trying to like weave things together and create visuals that are like, more unique in the moment by taking all your experience, putting them into something. And, and as you mentioned, it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're learning a new language basically. And even the way yeah. you're describing yeah. it, you know, you start with basic parts and you, you become more complex and then eventually all of it kind of flows together. And I think that's, yeah. at least for me, probably the best way to kind of look at it is, is think of it as this new language and take the steps, sure. like you mentioned earlier too, stepping stones to help develop mm -hmm. that. And that, I think that's uh, a great, great kind of way to, to break it down and, and to help us learn uh, this, this kind of different medium. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. No, all of this is 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 really bringing to mind creativity, and creativity is is, is such a powerful tool. So, yeah. I guess my question is how can how can individuals or even teams unlock their creativity, and mm -hmm. why, you know, why would you say perhaps that would be essential for innovation or or mm -hmm. even problem solving for themselves or for their for their team? Yeah, I, I think at it. And as a very first step, we have to reclaim that we are creative. And just like when we say, you know, oh, I can't draw. When we see, when we talk about drawing, oh, I can't draw. It's the same thing with creativity, right? We're like, oh, I'm not creative. Like, oh, it's for those people, whoever those people are, <laughs> right? So we have to just recognize that we are all creative in our own way. Maybe it's not sketchnoting. Maybe it's not like a visual form, but maybe you're really good uh, with words like spoken or written. Maybe you're a great step storyteller. Maybe you're really funny. Maybe you, um, maybe you're really good at like bringing people together for like a common goal, right? Like there's different ways to embrace and find and embrace our creativity, whatever that looks like for you. Um, but I find we sometimes like equate creativity with more of like something from the art world, 
right? Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. Um, and unfortunately, my experience is the majority of people have had some sort of negative experience, mostly in their childhood, unfortunately, that told them that they were not creative. So they, you know, showed their mom or dad a picture and they were like, that's not that great or whatever. And even just those like little comments that we'd experience from our environment, friends, family, teachers, um, we do this thing, we don't get the acceptance that we're looking for. And in our little brain, our little kid brain, we go, I, I does not equal creative, right? Like I am not creative. Whereas my first career was like working with young children and my own kids themselves, like we're obviously a very creative family. Like we're very arty. And um, if you ask children, are you an artist? They're like, yeah, duh. Of course I'm an artist. Like, why wouldn't I be an artist? Right. So they don't have a hard time like we do, equating, like putting that like art label on ourselves. Right. But somewhere along the lines, we have some sort of like negative experience with it. And they're like, nope, not for me. Right. So at its core, it's like recognizing that most people have that experience or have that belief and that that's just not true. Right. We are all very creative in our own way. Right. Um, so once you, Realize that, hopefully, for yourself, and you can see what does that look like for you, right? What can you bring to that table um, in your life, in your family, in your workplace um, to, to bring creativity to whatever it is that you're working on or doing, right? Um, and like in, in an age of, you know, AI and all of these things, right, human to human connection, I think, is just going to be even more understood is the, the importance of it, right? Like, you know, the example I, I always talk about with people is, you know, in-person conferences came back after COVID. Like, they didn't have to. Like, we didn't have to keep getting back together, right? But why do we do that is because we need, like, heart-to-heart -heart human connection, right? So um, being able to be in um, community with others in a workplace or otherwise, um, can just like open a door for creative thinking and being able to do that, right? Um, and I think people who are creative thinkers, critical thinkers, problem solvers, those are going to be the skill sets of the future, in my opinion. That's my hypothesis. Like, ask me tomorrow, maybe I'll change my mind. But that as <laughs> of today, like, those are like the skills that people are going to be looking for. Those are the types of relationships that we're going to want to be in, like people that think creatively, think critically, um, and let, like looking at the world in a different way, right? So um, I think creative thinking um, is, yeah, just going to be more and more important um, in every aspect of our life. I think even, even more than ever before. Well, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And not only that, but you touched on what I think is, is probably the crux of this whole thing is creativity lots of time is squashed when we're kids yeah. or somewhere <laughs> in, in, in our in our life. And then we're we're told that story. No, you can't yeah. do this because this looked bad. And then we live that story because that's what we believe. That's what we're told. So in in thinking about that, creativity, you know, of course, is is, is very impactful at the young age in in education as we're in primary school and moving forward. How can educators incorporate creativity, visual thinking into their curriculum to to help? 
prevent that from being lost later on? And of course, this is, you know, this is maybe as tough to answer, but, you know, what are some things maybe you, you could suggest for educators to incorporate? Yeah, well, I think for me, like now, now that I'm sort of like realizing here that like my 10 year old is starting to learn like note taking skills like that. I'm like, that's like the age that we should be like introducing it like as an option, like, hey, you know, I'm going to teach you note taking skills. Here's a variety of different ways. There's you know, words, lines on a paper, there's this sketch noting thing, maybe there's another thing, right? Here's just like a couple different ways to do it. Like, do what you want, here's some skills, go do your thing, right? So I think it would just be beautiful to just provide it as an option while they're learning in that space of note-taking. Whereas I have been invited into schools to teach like more older kids, like 14 or 15, but by that point, they're kind of like a little bit too cool for school right? They're like, whatever. I don't know. Like they're not like, I I think teaching them earlier when they're building those note-taking skills would be like ideal, like in a perfect world scenario. Um, because that sort of like, like eventually the students will be like, well, this is how we take notes, right? Like, and this is how I've been doing it for a couple of years, but then you introduce a new way. Like it's a harder to integrate, right? So I would just love to see it like introduced at that at that age of like for here it's 10 or whatever that is for your area of like that's when they're starting to teach those skills anyway so just like add it in as an option for students who may resonate and may resonate with well and and i like that you you say as an option because everybody learns differently you know you have you have visual learners you have kinesthetic learners you have audio learners and i'm sure that trying to push everybody into one form of taking notes, line on page, write this stuff down because it's important, you'll need it later, and then go back and read those things later. That one way to do it doesn't work for probably many people. And Mm -hmm. if we could give them more options, them being the students, give the students more options of how they can do this and tell them that there's there isn't a specific way that you have to do this. You could do it this way. You could do it that way. You could do it somehow in between, but do it in such a way that's going to work for you. And I I think you're right by doing it by the, the younger kids, because by the 13, 14, not only are they too too cool for school, like you said, but (laughs) they've also already have been told, no, stop drawing, get, pay attention, write the notes. Like I tell you to. So trying to build in that new language later on after they don't even see that as a viable option that's been squashed out of them doing it early on, like you said, is is key because then while they're still learning and growing and adapting to how they interact with things, how they think about things, then the way that they're putting it down on the page is so important because then they can adapt and grow as they are doing that and move forward. By the time they're 13, 14, they already have you know that skill developed for themselves and they can effectively and efficiently take notes in such a way that they can reference and use that as a tool moving forward to help them learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like not that far from where they just came from, which is like the, the grades kind of leading into that age. They do a lot of drawing in there, like creating their little stories because they're still learning how to write and they're still learning spelling and they're still doing that stuff. So they already incorporate a lot of drawing up until that point. But for some reason, there seems to be just this dramatic switch of like, all that drawing you just did for like five years. Yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> but we want you to just do work moving forward, right? So like, it's not that big of a of a leap because they've already been drawing all that way anyways. 
at least here, that's how they do it. Um, so it's just like, oh yeah, keep drawing. Like you're doing that. We've been doing that for five years. Just keep doing that. Whereas, yeah, we, we kind of take drawing out of the classroom and then trying to integrate it in later definitely will be more, would be more of a challenge for sure. Now you, you spoke early on about trying to act, basically actively listen while somebody's presenting mm-hmm. something. So engagement yeah. during, during presentations, during meetings, uh, school, whatever it is, is, is challenging, right? Because you know, they're thinking about whatever else they're thinking about. They're trying to take notes and trying mm-hmm. to listen and take notes. All those things at the same time are tough. From the presentation, from, from the presenter's standpoint, how can they mm-hmm. use visual aids or graphics to help to facilitate and enhance audience engagement and, and mm-hmm. you know, for, all for the benefit of the, of the individual? Yeah, I feel like honestly, at this point, I could like create a whole new like business on how to like teach presenters, like how to present better. <laughs> like, uh, it is such a challenge for sure. I think, you know, there's definitely some visual cues and things that I'm sure they could include. But honestly, I find that, you know, as someone who listens to like hundreds, if not more presentations a year, um, it's like, it, it's more about like formatting and storytelling. Like we hear every day, at least I do in my world of like the importance of storytelling, the po- like in everything, like we have to tell a story, you have to tell a story, but people still don't do that a lot. Right. So like lead with a story, tell a story, like get us on board, like get us like in, in, um, you know, we, it's like we were there with you when you were experiencing it. Right. Um, because those in itself, like you were saying earlier about, you know, you start to paint a picture in your mind, right? So like allow them to do it with you, right? And they're visualizing you knocking on that door and doing the thing or whatever it is, right? And then when you can put your own pictures in your own mind, then it's a lot easier to like sketch note or draw something out that is going to resonate with how you were in that journey with them, right? So it doesn't even have to be like, oh, well, you have to put all these drawings or all these things on your slides. It's more about like, how can you make your presentation um, like it's it's so integrated that like their mind isn't wandering, like what's for supper, what's going on in the next room or whatever it is, right? Um, You know, like uh, that, I think like at its its core, I would start, I would start there and, and see like, how can you, how can you create your, your message in a way um, that is going to like help them create those visuals in their mind for themselves. Um, cause you don't always have to give it to them. Right. And I think that's why, like when you read fiction, you're like, oh, they, they these little characters, they went on this journey. Like you're picturing what those mountains look like. You are picturing what those little buildings look like. You don't have pictures to go by. Right. So you can just kind of like pull from your own imagination. Um, when you're hearing people tell these stories. Yeah. And, and, you know, visual storytelling verbally and, and adding the visuals to that, I, you know, I think is, is certainly valuable as you're presenting whatever it is, if you're, you're leading a meeting or talking to your team or in, even individual based or up on stage or whatever it is, because like you said, that, that allows the audience to go on that journey with you. Now, yeah. with that kind of storytelling in, in mind, how could, how could businesses use community? use that to, to improve their communication in, in, you know, uh, with their collaboration, their decision-making, um, by allowing that story to be brought to the minds of their, of their team. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but I'm going to say something that kind of came to mind. I think a lot of it boils down to easy, clear to understand information, right? Like we tend to make things way more complicated than they need to, right? And I don't know if we do that to try to make ourselves like feel smart <laughs> or to show the other people in the room that like, hey, we're smart. I, I don't know what it is, but um, I, I think like no matter how you're communicating that, with or without pictures, with or without stories or graphs or PowerPoints or whatever it is, you have to make it meaningful for the people you're talking to in a way that they're going to understand it, right? Like I'm in a lot of spaces, like I have some clients in like the cybersecurity world, right? And that's one thing that they talk a lot. They're like, make sure if you're explaining this thing, because a lot of it is you're investing to keep the bad guys out. It's a, it's a harder, right? Whereas like, if you had a breach, then you know, like what's going down and it's not a good time, but you're trying to prevent that from happening. Right. So they're trying to say like, we're, you're invested in the cybersecurity and we can't tell you really if we prevented breaches, but like we haven't had a breach and that's a good thing. Right. So it's like, how can you tell it in a way that it's going to like make it understandable from like an ROI or an investment or whatever it is, that perspective and it's going to relate to the people, like specifically to the people that you're talking to, right? It drives me a little nutty when it's like, I wonder if these people realize who they're talking to, right? You're going to formulate it in a different way if you're talking to like the stakeholders of that company than maybe your peers. Because maybe you can use like more complex language with your peers because they need that level of detail. But maybe the stakeholders just need to know that like their investment is worth it, right? So how can you explain that in a way? Combining visuals or stories or what, like whatever is going to resonate with that particular audience. Like, unfortunately, there's no like silver bullet, but like looking at whoever that audience is and what, what method of communication is going to like work best for them. All right. So as as we're talking, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm thinking about <laughs> an idea and I'm, I'm going to go back to sketch noting. Sure. Um, okay. And, and maybe this is this is off base and it doesn't work, but I'm, I'm just curious. We have people read books and they make like the Spark Notes version of the books, like the you mm -hmm. know the shorthand. These are the important things to remember. Right? Could could you maybe and, and again maybe this doesn't work. I don't know. Um, chapter by chapter, or 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 even book summary, do a sketch mm -hmm. note of a book. Nonfiction, probably. I, th I think nonfiction would be the more interesting version of this, but a nonfiction sketch note of you know whatever the book is, and that would be the the way that somebody could interpret that information. So, like as opposed mm -hmm. to doing a Spark Notes version, there's a a sketch note version of insert book, and that you know that could be like yeah. a poster that you have on the wall, and and then you know you could look at that, and maybe they would have to read the book first. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, but you know that would give like the the key information for the book. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just looking around here because I have one of one of Brene Brown's books that I did. I did a sketch note of uh, Braving the Wilderness. Um, but yeah, and like I wrote a book called The Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting at the end of like the first part of the book where I'm like introducing a lot of these like elements. I do like a mini sketch note of that chapter. Right. So you could skip the whole chapter if you wanted to and just like go a little mini sketch note and be like, oh, right. These were like the little lessons that she taught. Right. Um, but yeah, you can sketch note anything like you could make one of anything, which is what I think is so fun. Right. I've done some of books like you could do one of a whole book. You could do it of a chapter of a book. 
You can do it on a podcast. You can do a webinar. Um, you know, I prefer listening. Like that's like, I almost like have myself trained to, I, I take in information a little bit better audibly, whereas I didn't so much before doing a lot of this stuff. Um, so I, I find it a little bit more difficult to read something and then turn it into a sketch note. But that's just like the way that like my brain prefers to take in information. Right. But like you could be the opposite. So maybe like reading and like highlighting. And, you know, I like to kind of if I don't create a sketch note of that chapter right away, I just kind of like make notes and then I'll come back to it. But I try not to wait too long in between because then I forget like little things and nuances of stuff. But yeah, you can kind of create a sketch note of anything, which is really fun. So as you're reading and you're taking notes, are your notes in a sketch noting format or is that a different uh, kind of mindset that you, that you go in when you do that type of, of note taking? Yeah. Um, I think you could do it anyway. For me personally, my, my regular note taking is actually pretty awful. <laughs> my handwriting is really bad. It's like, it's all over the place. It's not great. Um, but usually I, I still try to do the, the, I'll capture like on a blank piece of paper, right. So that you don't kind of, I always encourage people like step one, get a blank piece of paper right? So that you're not like defaulted into the lines, right? So usually I'll do blank piece of paper. And honestly, I'll just like capture information and like put lines. I usually just use lines when I am. Um, yeah. And like the writing's really crude and really awful and like very, very quick. Um, but yeah, that's when I'm doing sort of like, uh, like a rough draft or like just kind of listening and making notes and not going into sketch note mode right away. Uh, they're pretty crude, but yeah, I usually don't add a ton of drawings. I'm like, oh, I'll just do that later. Um, but I want to make sure that I get the information and the direction of the flow or the the synthesization of the information is really important. So that's usually just what I focus on when I do kind of that it in that way. Okay. So all right. So building on that, do you use that same paper that you took your quick notes on and do your sketch noting on there, or do you use that as like a um, a roadmap to do your sketch noting on a different page? I usually use it as a roadmap mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, like I also like you can also do all this digitally too, right? So if I'm capturing it digitally, like on my computer screen, then you can just like add a layer and like draw over top of it and then just hide your other layer, your original layer. So you can get kind of fancy with it if you want to. So I've certainly done that as well. But usually like when I'm doing it on paper then I'll just kind of use it as a reference. Okay, so then that brings in, okay, th- that's a good transition there. <laughs> From okay. now, we're, now we're in such a digital age obviously pen and paper and, and, and I like, uh, you know, I, I've never thought about that, but not using line paper because line paper by default confines you into writing within yeah. those. I mean, not that you'd have to, but it is, is set up for you to write within those lines. So using a, a blank page is, is a really good idea to be able to yeah. elaborate on your thoughts in a diverse way because you're not confined to those lines now, exactly. but again, moving to a digital age, mm-hmm. what are some tools that are, you know, that our listeners could use to, incorporate their sketch noting on a digital medium. Yeah. So the way that I like to try to encourage people is to start on paper first because it gives you that constraint, right? And then when you go to digital, there's like so much more flexibility. But some people I know who I've taught, they're like, no, I want to skip paper. I want to do digital only. And that's totally cool too. Um, A lot of people uh, use iPads. Right. They're very portable. It's very app based. Right. Um, And like the newer iPads are like the pens, like they're just 
they're just remarkable, to be honest with you, when it comes to the lines and the fluidity and stuff that it can create. Um, so, you know, there's so many sketching apps. Some are free, some are not. Um, but most of them are fairly low cost. Like you don't have to know Adobe Photoshop. You don't have to know like anything fancy. Um, and honestly, the sketch noting programs that I do use, I use them extremely minimally. Like I'm using like two pens, a couple colors, right? Um, because a lot of times sketch noting, you have to be quick and you have to be fast if you're doing it in real time. If you're not doing it in real time and you kind of do what we just talked about where you make some notes and then you want to spend some time you know, um, creating one, you know, where you're not rushed, uh, then you can use all of the things that a sketching program will provide. But uh, I just try to encourage people just to pick one, stick with it for a little while, learn the little like works about it. Um, but honestly, like most people kind of use them pretty minimally. Um, I'm actually not an iPad person, surprisingly enough. Um, I have uh, several Microsoft Surface pr uh, products. Um, so I actually capture on, I have a small device and I also have a Microsoft Surface Studio, which is like basically drawing on a, on a TV screen. <laughs> so, um, and I, I upgraded to this device, you know, it's absolutely not necessary, but for me that I'm doing it like all day, like every day, sometimes I want to be able to, um, not be kind of crouched over a little small device. So I wanted something that I could have a little bit better posture and a little bit more like just a more of a er, er, what's the word ergonomic setup yeah a little bit more uh, better on my body because um truth be told before march of 2020 i was 100 percent in person with paper markers right so being able to support clients of mine and work with people after march of 2020 i was kind of forced into the digital age of everything which for me, it was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, was able to kind of widen my scope of who I work with and how I work. So um, I still love pen and paper. I will go to marker and paper any day, uh, anytime. Just call me up. I've got like rules and rules of it. Uh, but uh, the flexibility that digital provides is very, very nice for sure. Well, uh, so Ashton, b before we wrap up, do you have any any final thoughts or, or key takeaways you'd like to to share with our audience? Yeah, I think I just want to express gratitude to both of you for putting this together, for asking such great questions. I feel like um, this was like a beautiful way to spend my Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> talking to both of you. And um, I felt like we were very like kindred spirits through this whole journey. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come and talk about something kind of different, <laughs> maybe to the listeners, it's hard to say, um, that I am really passionate about, and I'm just very grateful for the opportunity. Very, thank you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And if our, mm -hmm. if our listeners wanted to, to get in contact with you to, to learn more about sketchnoting, where, where can they go for that? Absolutely. So most everything kind of lives under my, I call it sketchnote school. So sketchnote.school will kind of get you everything you need to know. I've got a newsletter that I send out every Saturday morning with a sketchnoting tip or trick. And I have my beginner's guide to sketchnoting book on there. And I also have a sketchnote school community um, that uh, I launched in 2023. And um, yeah, so all things like learning how to sketch note or hanging out in sketch note world 
you can find at sketchnote.school. Very good. And I'll be sure to leave those uh, those links in the description for this episode as well. Ashton, you know, your insights and, and creativity to visual communication have been truly enlightening. And, and again, thank you for, for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Very good. Until next time, remember creativity knows no bounds and visual storytelling can illuminate even the most complex ideas.